0: Hey, thanks for listening with Sanctuary. We're excited to grow in the knowledge of Jesus with you. Now let's get into the Word. You know, uh, we are talking about uh, a series on the kingdom. His kingdom comes, and this morning I want to talk to you about In the Care of the King. In the Care of the King. I've had another message. It would be, Why Worry? Or another title, Why Worry? In the care of the king... Why worry? We've talked about forgiving in our series and what that means, but today we're kind of talking about giving because forgiving and giving uh, are related. Both come from a generous heart. Do you know that in Scripture, Uh, if you study it out, there are nine promises, nine, nine promises God says He'll do for a believer who has a generous heart. I'll give you just a few examples. He says He'll bless your goodwill. He will give blessing to your children, blessing on your work, on your business. He'll give you happiness, influence, uh, provision. He'll meet your needs, and you'll store up treasure in heaven, a reward in heaven. And it's not this uh, prosperity gospel or a give and take kind of a thing, or if if I do this and God's going to do it. That's not why we do it, but He says, I take care of people. My people who have a generous heart, and God's Word is true, and the same God who wrote the stars in the sky with His spoken Word promises that if you have His generous heart, He will supply all your needs. Somebody say amen. So what makes a person generous? What makes a person give unusually of themselves or unexpectedly? We're not just talking about money, just a giving person, a person who's giving in kindness, giving of their time, giving of their talent, uh, giving forgiveness. What makes a person a giving person? Uh, Well, I'll tell you what doesn't make a person a giving person, and that's worry. Somebody say worry. Worry. What makes a generous person is not worry. Why do we worry today? I know today we're worried um, about getting everything done in this life, so we're rushing. We're always hustling and bustling, and I'm sometimes the worst. We're trying to get everything done, so we're worried that we're not going to get it all done. We are worried today in America about not having enough, so we're always working, we're always doing, we're always actively building. We're worried about being enough. And we do this, we change our looks all the time, buy new clothes, change our hair, get a new haircut, get on a new diet plan, buy a new car, rearrange your house, get on Etsy or Pinterest and redecorate, put all the old decorations in the trash and get all new decor. Because we're always trying to feel enough, be enough, have enough, and want enough. So there's some part of us inside that maybe we're not even conscious of that we're worried that we're not enough, that what we have isn't enough. There's a what I call a lie of lack. There's something we feel we lack by going through life. We feel like we lack in our marriage. We lack with our kids. We even do this. We we are so worried that our kids aren't going to have the best childhood. We put them in every type of activity to fill their life with so much stuff because we're worried that they're not going to have enough. Or receive enough, or be loved enough. And so we're just going to do everything we can in one week or one month or one year with these kids because we're worried that our love isn't enough for them. Oh, it's getting quiet quick. But we don't even know it that worry is actually a part of everything that we're doing, that there's this lie of lack. Worry prevents giving and forgiving. You know, when you're worried that your resources are running out, it's going to prevent you from giving. I'm worried that I, we're not going to have enough to pay the bills, so we're not going to be a generous person. Or I'm for, for, thinking about forgiving. We're worried that someone who hurt us, if I forgive them, I'm worried that they're going to get away with it. I'm worried they're not going to get punished. I'm worried that it's going to be okay what they did to me. So they need to, I'm, I think I need to get something out of this. So if I don't think for, for financially, I'm worried that I'm not going to have enough, I need to make sure I'm going to get what I need first. Or forgiveness, I'm worried they're going to get off scot-free, and I need to get what I deserve. So worry is a big motivation sometimes we're not even aware of. Worry will keep you from receiving the wealth of God's generosity. Worry will keep you from receiving the wealth of God's generosity. Now, I could tell you today, let's just start doing generous things. Well, let's just start being generous. Well, that's just going to be putting a mask on it, and the worry could still be there. You know, we could do all kinds of religious works, but still not have faith in God. That's just putting a mask on it. Let's just put a mask on things. Let's just be generous. Well, that wouldn't change anything, because Christianity is often really about the Why? Why do we love other people? Why do we pray? Why do we give? Why do we forgive? Because there's something behind the mask. We could, we could mask our lives with all kinds of do's and don'ts. We could do good things but still have a bad heart. And sometimes we don't even know the why of the why that we do things. Because we've gotten so used to wearing a mask. And maybe today we've put a mask of worry on top of our sorry a mask of worship on top of our worry a mask of religious works on top of our worry maybe today we're worried that we don't have enough maybe today you're worried that God isn't going to give you enough or maybe today you're even worried that I'm not enough I'm not enough for these kids I'm not enough for my spouse I'm not enough in my life where I've been and I'm worried that deep down inside, beyond the mask, I'm I'm really worried. I'm not enough. How do you get God's generous heart? I want you to get to a place, by the end of the service, I pray that you'll find a place where you have been filled with God's generous heart, that God is going to take out this lie of lack, that in God you lack no good thing. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right? All right, look with me in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Why worry? We want to get... God's generous heart. Get God's generous heart, because worry will keep you from receiving the wealth of God's generosity. Get God's generous heart. So Matthew chapter six, verse nineteen. Let me set the stage. The Pharisees are one of the most elite Bible-following people in the world at the time that we're with Jesus in the first century. They fast, they pray, they do all the all the all the religious stuff, right? Jesus comes to them and he says, You are a bunch of hypocrites. But in the Greek word, they're hypocrites. Uh, it doesn't mean like what we mean today. He means actors. He says, You're putting a mask. You're like an actor. It's like a person who goes to the theater. They they put on the face, they put on the makeup, the face, and portray something that they're not. They're just acting. And at the same time, they stand before an audience and they're doing it to get an applause. And he says, That's how you're doing it but behind the mask you religious people are still worried about all the things the world is worried about you're worried where your next paycheck's going to come from you're worried if you are doing enough so you work to get applause from people to feel like you're enough you you do all this stuff because really you feel you're lacking you're boasting for privilege and a position. You're wanting to be the best seat at the table. Why? Because you're worried what you're doing and who you are is not enough. You're worried that God can't give you enough, that God alone is not enough. So he says, you're actors. You've got a mask of works on top of worry. But he says, but in the Sermon on the Mount, this is part two of it, he says the kingdom citizenship is going to require a heart change. It's going to require something that God does beyond the mask inside of you. And he says, if you trust God, he says, God is going to reward your right, righteous acts. He's going to reward your giving. He's going to reward your praying in secret. He's going to reward your fasting in secret. Everything you do, Not to be noticed by man. Everything you do with the right motives, God is going to be enough for you. Amen? All right, Matthew 6. Here's what he says. Let's tag on to the end of that whole conversation. Matthew 6, verse 19. Now, do, uh, do not store up for yourself treasures on the earth, where moss and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. And so that if your eye is clear, your whole body is going to be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that's in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! And no one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth, or the word there is like gain, okay, material gain. Some of you in King James say mammon, all right? For this reason I say to you, do not be, what, worried about your life, as to what you'll eat or drink for your body or to what you'll put on. For life is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth? Somebody say worth. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you be, uh, by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not... What? Worry. Then the saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, for what we will f- wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Here's verse 33, we all know it. But seek first the what? The kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not, what? Worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each has enough trouble in its own. What is he saying? Jesus contrasts worry and wealth with our worth and the worth of God's rewards. He contrasts our worry over money and wealth with what do you believe about your worth in God and the worth of God's rewards. He contrasts the motive of the world to seek earthly things to gain it now to feel good about yourself and to trust in your own works. And then he contrasts how God is a God who gives you more than you could ever understand or or, or believe in or hold to. He's saying God is clothing flowers. He's clothing and handling birds. And you're worried about your life. So he says, this is how the world sees it, and this is how God sees it. But if your motives are right, God will supply your means. If your motives are right, God will meet your needs. But what do you need? You don't need to be like the Pharisees with the mask. You need to have God's generous heart. This is the condition for having your needs met, is having God's generous heart. So I'm going to give you three questions real quick. Number one... Is why then, maybe I'm looking at my I'm asking myself this Heath Harris, why, maybe you think you're giving, you're a generous person today, but let's take it a step further. Why am I not more giving? Heath Harris, why are you not more generous with all of me, my whole life, my whole body, my whole soul? Why am I not more generous? What is preventing me from being a little more generous in my life? You know, studies have shown that the more people make, in fact, the less they give. You think, well, well Pastor, I could, I could give more do more if I had more. Just give me more and I'll give more. That's actually not true. Studies say the more you give, actually, uh, the more you uh, earn, the more income you have, typically, most people give less. Why is that? Three things is, one, sometimes Jesus says, it's about your sight. It's about your sight. He says, uh, there's this uh, rabbinic phrase at his time about the eye. You can't have two eyes. You can't have it. Now we have two eyes, but he says you can't see both ways. He says it's like when your your eye has eye problems; it doesn't take enough light in, so you have darkness. But if you take a lot of light in, you have light. And he's saying you you have a bad eye. It's like you have a negative worldview. Some people have a good worldview. They have they're taking in the light of God's revelation. God is enough. God created the heavens and the stars. He supplies everything in the world. And if you are God's kid, how can He not supply for you? That's a positive worldview. But if you listen to the news today, you're like some of us. I'm, I might be a little bit of a prepper. I'm not going to tell you where my stuff is, right? But but you're like we got to hoard. We got we got to save. We got a penny pinch. We got to stock up. We need a bunker. Come on. I'm I mean, if you watch the news today, that's how you feel. You have a, a view that the world is lacking, that i got to save for me and mine, and i got to protect me and mine, and, and we're going to build a fortress and hide out in the swamp of Louisiana and survive the end of the apocalypse. And we begin to hoard and control. And if I feel like I don't have enough, that God's not enough, that I'm not enough, my eye is bad. You have to be careful today but what you see. Remember, be careful, little eye, what you see. God, I went out last night. We put our chickens up and I went out, out in the stars and the, man, the Milky Way was beautiful last night. I don't know if you noticed or not. It was extraordinary. And I just began to think about this message and think, God, you're holding all of that and I'm worried about little old me. Right? Where's your eye? Maybe it's about how you see the world around you. Maybe you're seeing the world with a scarcity mentality. We got to we got to say we got to be enough. Or maybe it's your heart. So why am I not more generous? One is my sight. Number two maybe is my heart. You know it's not about the amount in your pocket. But the percentage in your heart. Remember that moment in Mark 12 where Jesus is watching the treasury deposit as people bring their tithes to the temple and the religious elite have gone through all these buckets and they've put in, and they're sure to cling the bottom of it and throw and make a trumpet blast in their own voice. Oh how great it is to give, I'm so blessed. And they're putting all this money in the offering. And he sees quietly a little widow put two mites, two pence, two what we would say pennies worth into there. And he says what to his disciples? You see that lady over there She gave more than all the rest. Why? Because she gave all she had. See, it wasn't really about the amount in her pocket, but the percentage of her heart. Right? It's not about how much money you put in the offering plate, or how much you give, or how much you give away. It's the percentage of your heart that makes you a giving person. And Jesus says, behind the mask... They're, they have all the great giving, but behind the masks, they're just as worried about anybody, as anybody else. They're just like the pagans. They're just like the rest of the world. They're fighting for position to be enough. They're worried that they're going to have enough. They're, they're not storing it up and using it with a God-generous heart. God's generous heart. This little lady, she had God's generous heart. Or number three, maybe it's my faith. Jesus repeatedly says, you have little faith... Maybe I'm worried that I know God is out there and He does all this great stuff, but maybe I don't believe He cares about me and my issues. Oh, I know He can do that for them, but I don't know that God's actually going to meet my needs. And Jesus says, "What well, you have little faith. Don't you know who you are? God sent His Son to die for you. And if He gave His Son for you, how will He not also with Him give you freely all things. If he gave you Jesus, he emptied the deposit. The treasury of heaven has already been emptied for you. So where's my faith? Oh, this is, it's hard. Oh, I know he can do things, but would he do it for me? He says, maybe you don't see it. Maybe you don't have it in your heart. Maybe it's your faith. Timothy, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And by some longing for it, I've wondered from the faith. It wasn't money that's the root of evil, but the love of it. The love of having enough, of being enough, and worried over having enough and being enough. He says there, there are people pursuing enough. They're pursuing the desire to be enough, to have enough. They're worried that they're not enough, that God's not enough, that, that they're not going to have enough. He says, but it's cost them their faith. So why am I not more generous? Maybe I need to examine my my eyes, my heart, my faith. Number two is, well, then how can I become more generous, Pastor Heath? How can I be more giving as a person? Jesus said in verse 25, He's like, you don't even realize what life is about. Life is not about acquiring a car and a house and a 401K. Life is not about going out, I want to have enough to go out to eat at Texas Roadhouse this week. And that's great, I hope we can, and I bless you if you can. Uh, and And I hope that we get to that place. But He's like, it's not about that. It's not about getting a good job, having a good paycheck. He says, it's not about gaining things here, It's about gaining Him. Somebody say amen. He said your life is worth more than this. Your life is not about gaining this. It's about not seeking those things. It's about seeking His kingdom, His righteousness, His rule, His reign, His realm, His place, His people, His power. That's the kingdom. And His right standing with Christ. That's what you should be gaining. That's what you should be seeking. He says well, maybe we need to repent. How can I be more generous, number one? Maybe I should repent. That means to turn, to change. He told Timothy after that verse, he flee from these things. Flee from the love of money. Pursue these things. Maybe I need to repent for having a mask. Maybe I am a good Christian, but really behind the mask I'm, I'm worried. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I have a scarcity mentality. Maybe I need to repent of valuing the wrong thing. Maybe I'm holding on to this world too tightly. I'm holding on to grudges. I'm holding on to possessions. I'm holding on to a pursuit for worldly power, worldly fame. I'm holding on a pursuit for a life that I really want to gain. Maybe I need to repent of seeing and seeking the wrong things. And maybe I need to repent of not trusting God's generous heart to meet all my needs. you know I told our pastors, I texted out this morning, our pastors in our alliance, I said, you know, God's promises are just as true as gravity. If you believe gravity is real and God spoke gravity into existence and I believe if I jump off this stage I'm going to fall, I should be able to trust God's Word the same way I trust gravity to be there that the same word that's holding the moon and the stars in place came down and became flesh. And he said, guys, stop worrying. I've got you. The same voice, the same word from Genesis 1 that said, let there be light, that light became flesh. And he walked among us and he said, I care about you more than birds and I feed the birds. I care about you more than flowers and I clothe the flowers. I will be there for you. And if you go out tonight and you see the moon, and he's there, he's holding it, and he says, I've got you. Why are you worried? We're like, that's a little radical. Don't it take some of my effort? Don't I need to do things? Yeah, get a job, pay your taxes, all that. But don't worry. Don't worry. Get God's generous heart. He says, if you allow yourself to be a pass-through... If you become my generosity, he says, I'm a God who causes it to rain and the sun to shine on the unrighteous and the righteous. I'm a generous God, and you need to believe by faith my word is true. So the first is, how do I get God's giving? I have to repent, but then I've got to receive His faith. That faith says His word is true, that God is enough. I turn from worry, and I turn to His promises. He says, now seek first His kingdom. I get God's generous heart. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 6? He says, give, and it will what? Be given to you. How does it give to you? And he's talking about judging others and forgiving. And that one, he says, if you give this kind of a giving heart away, I'll give it back into you. They'll give it back into you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's like, you know, you're trying to get something into a jar. You just shake that jar till it all settles. He said, I'm going to give into you more than you can even imagine. He even said, God's Word even said in Proverbs. I read it here, Proverbs 11, 25. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will Himself be watered. That's the Word of God that hangs the moon stars right now. He says, I'm a God when I see you have my generous heart I in turn get generous to you. Now do you believe that like you believe in gravity? Do you believe it like you believe And when you flip the light switch electricity is going to come on? Do you believe it like you believe, hey it's going to rain if the clouds get dark. And, and I know that's going to be wet. I mean, all that was spoken by God. And he says, I'm a God. When I see a generous heart, I get generous to them. I wish that Heath Harris would really get that. I want to get God's generous heart. Not to gain. I want to be like Him. I want to be like my Father who's so generous to me. And I want to be more in communion with Him. So what should I do? Three things and I'm going to close. What should I do? So how, how do I get to this point and what should I do from here? Is Number one is maybe I need to get rid of some pursuit of gain. You know, Jesus told the rich young ruler, he said, uh, sell everything you have. Not because it was something Jesus wanted him to do for the sake of suffering. This man had a lot of property and this thing was keeping him from getting closer to Jesus. So Jesus said, sell the thing that's holding you back. Same thing in a few uh, chapters later he says, hey, uh, if something's going to keep you out of heaven, cut it off. Like even your eye, even your hand, even your foot, cut things away that keep you from getting closer to me. Now that's pretty radical, but he, he was making a metaphorical point. There may be things that keep me from getting generous. For instance, I may be today so in debt, and I have bought all kinds of things I don't need. And I can never be generous. You know what that means? I need to get rid of some things I don't need and get out of debt so that I can be more generous and have God's generous heart. And then I'll trust that God is going to be generous to me. Maybe today uh, I am so busy with my time. I'm involved in so many things. I have no time to be generous with my time. I'm not able to slow down and hang out with people and fellowship with people. Maybe I'm too busy with my time. Guess what? I need to say no to things so I can be generous with my time. Maybe today I'm involved in so many bad habits. There might be bad habits that keep me from having financial responsibility. I might be in gambling. I might have a bad habit, and I'll let you put a label on whatever that bad habit is. I might be buying things, putting them in my refrigerator, putting them in my pocket, in my car. I may be going places and spending money that I shouldn't be spending, maybe even on entertainment, and I can't be generous He says, cut away things that keep you from getting closer to me. So I get rid of gain. Number two is do good. Get rid of gain. Do good works. Paul told Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy 6, he says, I'm going to pray over your church. He said, tell your church, I'm just going to die. You're going to leave this church. He says, here's what I want you to tell them. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich. Somebody say Rich. You want to be rich? Be rich in good works and generous to those in need, and then you'll store up treasure in heaven. Do good works. You say, Pastor Heath, you're talking about money. I hate it when pastors talk about money. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about being rich in generosity. Uh, over the last few years, I have... Uh, I don't know, 15, 16 years of full-time ministry, I've, I've been in charge of hundreds of thousands of dollars probably in, in benevolence giving from the city that we lived in before to the, our church to the Minister Alliance now to things like we mentioned this morning, the Angel Tree. Um, I have had the privilege of meeting people in crisis and ministering to them and showing them God's generous heart. Many of them you've never met, you'll never meet. And some of them, I have so many, I've lost the stories and forgotten their names uh, but there's something about connecting with people in God's generous heart. Maybe you've get picked up a hitchhiker before or you've given to a homeless person. There's been so many stories. I, I just even last night I was saying, God, what can I tell? Which ones can I tell? Because some of them I can't tell. Just a few weeks ago um, we had a young man come up into this town and he was in a very bad relationship. It broke. Uh, and he was stuck. He was homeless here and he came into our our building and and he needed a place to stay, and he needed to get he was stuck in, in LaSalle Parish, Louisiana. and we began to minister to him, and I gave him a Bible, talked to him, went to the hotel, got him a room, checked in on him over the weekend, and, and uh, just he came back, and we just began to talk about Jesus and give him some opportunities for help, bought him a bus ticket to go back home. And those moments It's not that it's about the money, but when you sense God's love for people, it's not about what you're giving. Let me tell you something, it changes you. I remember a young man, a a middle-aged man, came into my office in this city where we pastored. He came in weeping weeping into my I just walked in the office weeping. And, and his life was more different from mine than I could ever tell you. Different in, in uh, sexual identity, different in race, different in lifestyle, different in he was squatting in a home. And uh, he wanted us to pay the utilities on a house that he didn't own and uh, needed food. He, him and his dog in his car, that's all he had. And he just began to pour out the brokenness of his life. And I, if I would've, you would have told me there was a person who was like this, who's doing this, my empathy level probably would have been very low. Because that's easy to do in this life. Oh, they're a Democrat. Oh, they're this race. Oh, they're that gender ideology. Oh, they go to that bathroom, whatever. They believe all this wrong stuff. And they begin to pour out their life and just snot in tears. Took him out to eat, and, and I remember uh, we went to the restaurant, and he said, I've never had a white person much less a pastor, a Christian, eat with me in public. We went to the parking lot, and he sat on the curb and just began to pour out all the brokenness of his life. That moment probably changed me as much as it changed him. Never forgotten it. To this day, we still communicate because I felt God's generous heart for that man. We paid his utilities, we fed him, we got him hooked up, he got later on got a job and bought the house. Just the other day we had a woman come into our office of a certain religious denomination that did not provide for her financial needs. Came into our church and immediately started weeping. Michelle and I were there like I just need you to stop crying so I can help you. And she was at the end of it. Her and her husband had tried everything they just got into a bad place, trying church, trying God, trying life, but sometimes it's just not enough. And we were able to pay your utilities. You never met her, you don't know that you did that. But I'm telling you, God has a generous heart. And there are a lot of broken, hurting people. You're about to sponsor Angel Tree. Last year, collectively, we were able to help hundreds of children, tens of thousands of dollars in Christmas gifts. If you've ever been a part of that, you'll know every year we will fill these many single mom's parents, single mom's trunks up with Christmas gifts, and several times I can remember the moment, as we begin to pray with them and give them a Bible and a track and tell them about churches that care about them. They begin to weep and say, I did not know how I was gonna make it until today. God has a generous heart he wants to give to you. But you've got to get to a place to receive it so you can give it away. It's not about the amount. It's about, God, I want to get closer to you by being like you. Man, I feel close to God when I help people. I get to be a part of who he is. And I want to get to a place where me and my family can say, God, we want to give... More than we receive. It's more blessed to give than we receive. Do I have God's generous heart? I'll tell you this one story. We believe in tithes and offerings that keep the churches and missions going. Richard Wormbrandt was a Lutheran priest from Romania many years ago, and he was imprisoned by communist Russia. And they put these Christians along with him in prison. They were given one slice of bread a week and a dirty soup every day. But all those believers in that communist prison decided they would still tithe one dirty bowl of soup uh, every day and one piece of bread a week. And he said in his book, very famous book, he said, We decided every tenth week we would all save our one piece of bread and give it to the weakest brother who is about to die. But even in prison, we would tithe. And we think, I don't have enough, God. C.S. Lewis said, How much more should we give? He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than you can spare. In other words... If your expenditure on comforts and luxuries and the worldly amusements, etc., is up to the standard of everyone else around you who has the same income, we are probably giving way too little. If our charities don't pinch or hamper us, I should say they're too small. He said, there ought to be things that we should like to do like the rest of the world, but cannot do because our giving excludes them. We're not called to be like the world. We're called to show the world what the kingdom of God looks like. Amen. Would you stand with me all across this room? Do I have God's generous heart? We're not here to ask you to give. We're not here to ask for money. We're saying, God, we want to have your heart. Lord, I want to have your heart. Father, in this moment right now, Lord, I'm pressing pause on my busy life and our busy schedule and all the hustle and bustle to say, God, do I have a giving and forgiving heart? Do I have a generous heart? Lord, I believe your word is true and you will take care of those who make your heart their priority, who seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, who show the world who you are. And, Father, maybe today I'm worried. Maybe today I'm worried that I'm going to have enough, worried that I am enough, worried, Lord, that you're going to be there with enough. And maybe today we've got many needs, marital needs and financial needs, emotional needs. But have we seen this world with a scarcity mentality? Is my eye good? Do I see how good and great and big and generous my God is? do I trust that he will take care of all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus? Father, I pray over us as a family. May we be the kingdom of God. May we tell the world of your goodness and your greatness, your mercy.